And so he went to, went to Bible school and, and did exactly that. As he was studying and working, planning on making millions as a, a businessman, he, well, he had a friend. And his friend just happened to invite him to a Bible study. And, and so he, well, he went. And that day, as they, as they got into the Word, something in George began to change. Like this Word of God was making something new and different in his life, and he wasn't quite sure what it was or, or what it meant. And he began to feel convicted about making fun of all of the Christians and began to think, maybe there's something real in all of this. Maybe there's some kind of truth. And so he knelt there on his own in the quiet, and asked God to become the Lord of his life. George's world was about to forever change from everything that he knew to the plans that God had for him. George went home and told his dad, he said, I'm no longer going to be a businessman. I feel like God's calling me to be a missionary. And his dad said, missionaries are poor, and that's stupid. So you need to go back to school. You need to finish your business degree. And George said, I can't. I can't do it. God's calling me to be a missionary. I've got to go to Bible school, and I've got to train. And, your dad said, and his dad said, that's fine, but you're going to do it on your own dime. I'm not paying for a penny of your school. You're going to have to figure this out on your own. George felt really silly as he knelt by his bed and began to pray. God... I don't, I, don't, I don't really know what to say. I don't, I don't really talk to you. I haven't really done that in my life. And so I, I feel like you want me to be a missionary, but I can't stay here at school because I can't afford the bill. I'm not going to be able to pay for it. And Right in the middle of his prayer, a knock came at George's door, and he went and opened it up, and there stood one of his professors. He said, George, I, I don't know what this is all about, but I felt like the Lord was telling me to come and, and offer you a job <clears throat> here in our department. He had a discussion with George for a little while and soon to figure out that the job that he was offering him would pay for his schooling. That very moment, George's life changed again. You see, George had gone from a man who had been making fun of Christians to somebody who felt like they, they needed God and to a man of prayer. And that man of prayer was transformed by the idea that prayer could change things. Prayer could change lives. He graduated and many of the men were drafted straight into the military, but George became pretty significantly ill. His illness caused him to no longer be eligible for the army, and so he packed his bags and moved to England, where he began ministering at a church there. Now, at that time, the churches were separated by the wealthy and the poor. The prime seating up front was for the wealthy. It'd be nice if we would, you know, all be so excited to sit up front. And so he was sitting up front where all of the wealthy people and in the very back where you couldn't hear because there were no microphones then were the poor. George said, I will not be your pastor anymore unless we cut this out. We are all on equal footing at the foot of the cross. 
And the people began to gather, and his heart began to be torn for the, for the drastic distinction that took place between those living in extreme poverty and those living in great wealth. As he walked the streets of England, he saw the results of war and of famine and of, of poverty, and he saw children lining the streets begging for money or a piece of bread, something to drink. George began to pray again, Lord, how would you have me to reach these people? Open an orphanage. Open an orphanage in, in the poorest parts of England. And welcome the children. Those who have no parents, who have no families, who have no meal, who have nothing to offer you. Welcome them in droves. I am a God who provides. And the doors were open and the kids came rushing in. One night, George lie in bed. 300 children sleeping in the orphanage that night. And he knew there was nothing in the pantries for morning. They were completely empty. There was nothing for these children to eat. And George began to pray fervently before God. God, will you provide? God, will you provide? Will you provide food for these children, bread for their bellies? Oh God, will you provide? The next morning, believing in faith that God was going to do what George had prayed, he had all 300 children sit at the breakfast table ready for school with nothing to serve them. George opens the door, and there stands the baker. Arm loads of bread. More bread than he could even carry, and he brought it forth, and he said, George, God woke me up in the middle of the night and told me to start baking because your children were hungry. And bread comes and is broken, and every single child ate until they were full. There was enough for every one of them. As they're eating their bread, George opens the door, and there stands the milkman. George looks just beyond the milkman and happens to see that his cart is overturned and the milk is everywhere. Some bottles are open, some are broken, there's milk in the streets. And the milkman said, I, I can't take any of this back now. Would you guys like what is left? Taking the milk inside, they served it to all of the children, and every single child had enough to fill their hungry bellies. Everyone had enough. God provided their daily bread. Will you stand with me today for the reading of God's word from the book of Exodus? We're in the middle of a series right now called Teach Us to Pray. And in the Lord's Prayer, we have worked our way through um, holy is your name or hallowed be thy name. Through your kingdom come and your will be done. This week, we're going to be talking about, well, bread. Give us this day our daily bread. 
Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elium and journeyed into the wilderness of Sin. Sin is a place, not something they were living in, but they were actually doing that too, but it's the name of a place. So between Elim and Mount Sinai, they arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. Okay, get this, all right? I don't want you to be like, oh, she's reading and I'm zoning. So one month after they've left the land of Egypt, that's where they are, okay? I just want you to know, it's been a month. There too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate all the bread that we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Each day the people can go out and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I will test them in this to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day they will gather food and when they prepare it, they will be, there will be twice as much as usual. So Moses and Aaron said to the people of Israel, by evening you will realize it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your complaints, which are against him, not against us. What have we done that you should complain about us? Then Moses added, the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and bread to satisfy you in the morning, for he has heard all your complaints against him. What have we done? Yes, your complaints are against the Lord, not against us. Then Moses said to Aaron, announce this to the entire community of Israel. Present yourselves before the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole community of Israel, they looked out toward the wilderness. And there they could see the awesome glory of the Lord in a cloud. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Give us this day our daily bread. The people of Israel were living out in the wilderness. They were a people that had, had left slavery in Egypt only to find themselves hungry in the wilderness. And I, I can only imagine what it was like for them to be there 30 days out from the time where they had everything that they needed, their homes food on the table, their children provided for, and now they're roaming around in the desert, not knowing where their next meal is going to come from. The problem with the people of Israel was that they didn't go to the right place for the needs that they had. Instead, they went to each other, because we don't ever do that. We don't ever go to one another whenever we're frustrated about something and start complaining about things. But God heard their complaining. And if I was God, I'm not sure that I would have responded with such graciousness. I probably would have said something like, be quiet and be happy with what you got. Change your attitude. This is not how you talk to me. God heard their complaining and provided for their needs. 
God sent quail in droves, it says, enough to fill everyone there. They had all the meat that they could ever want. And when they went out in the mornings, on the ground, almost frost-like, were little pieces of manna that they could pick up and fill their jars, take home. They had exactly what they needed. When Jesus was teaching the disciples to pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread. I wonder what he was thinking about. Like, why in the world would Jesus bring up bread in a prayer? I mean, I get it. Like, we address God as being holy. We pray that the will of God is done because that's what we want to see done in our lives and in our world. And then we ask for something very specific. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us today what we need for today. Feed us from your abundance, oh God. When Chad and I were in the middle of the process of adopting Hattie Jo, our daughter who was up here who had the phone and the tape measure and who knows what else in her pockets, and um, if there was hope for George Mueller, I'm sure there is hope for Hattie Jo Marie. And so as uh, we were in the process of adopting Hattie Jo, Chad was, Chad's a school teacher. Um, he was a school teacher then too. Um, we roll in big dough, my friends. And so, so Chad's a teacher and I was working as, a, I was working for a nonprofit raising my own support as a missionary. And so as I was working for this missions organization, raising our own support, and, and Chad's, you know, making a paycheck that's just getting us by with already having three boys, and, and then the Lord calls us to adopt, and it was such a weird process because in those moments, we didn't ever think, is there going to be enough for us to be able to do this? Part of, of praying, thy will be done, and leading straight into give us this day is that there's a whole lot of trust in between those two phrases. If we pray the prayer, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread, then there is a bridge between those two phrases that takes us from I will do your will no matter what, and I will trust you to provide for what you have called me to do. I still don't know how we paid the $23,000. I'm not sure where it all came from. I mean, we got some little scholarships here and there. We made payments as we could as months go by. We, we borrowed a little bit of money, but we're able to pay it back by the time Hattie's adoption was finalized. So I don't know. The, the money doesn't match the need. It, it doesn't. Feeding our family and paying our regular bills, and there was no extra $23,000 laying around for us to be able to adopt Hattie. But God saw. He saw our personal needs. He saw that our heart was to be obedient to him. And in that faithfulness, God provided. There was a beautiful woman named Carol um, that uh, lived in when I was in Harrisonville, Missouri. I was working through seminary and on staff at the church there and and it, Carol was a, a beautiful woman of God, truly a saint. I would look at Carol and go, I pray, Lord, one day I can be as humble and gentle and bearing with one another in love as Carol is. 
And I remember one day walking up to her as she was barely making it down the sidewalk because the chemo treatments that she was in the middle of were just tearing her body apart. I walked up to Carol and I gave her a hug and said, Carol, how are you doing all this? You see, not only did Carol have cancer, but her daughter, who was in her 40s, who had three children of her own, also was suffering with cancer. Carol and her husband didn't have much in way of means, and yet every day she would seek the Lord in prayer. Carol, how do you do it? And she said something in that moment that I will never, ever, ever forget. And I keep repeating it because it was so good. And I can't wait to tell Carol when we both get to heaven and say, you know that thing you told me? It changed my life. She said, Rachel, God provides the grace you need in the moments when you need it. Not too soon and not too late. God's grace is right on time. A few years later, Susan died, and Carol also eventually passed away from the cancer that ate at her body. You see, Carol wasn't greatly concerned about tomorrow. She wasn't greatly caught up in the health that she had yesterday. Carol was living in that day. Knowing that the Lord would provide for her that day what she needed to make it through. In our personal lives, we often get caught up in what used to be. Oh, man, back when I had this job, back when my family was healthy, back when I was able to do all the things that I wanted to, back, back. (laughs) And we get so caught up in what used to be that we can't be present for the grace that God wants to bestow on us today. Or we become so overwhelmed by the big picture. We are big picture people. I'm the same way. I struggle with this all the time. I have all of these plates and I allow them to just keep spinning and then I get overwhelmed by all the numbers of plates that I'm, that I'm trying to keep balanced at the same time. And I go, God, all of this stuff. All of this stuff that I've got going on today and tomorrow and then next week, there's this thing and then next month and then I'd like to see this happen next year and God, I've got all these, can you just take care of all these, can you provide my forever bread? Can you take care of my forever bread, Jesus? That would be great. But that's not the prayer. You see, when we find contentment in the moments of God's grace, then we are able to move to the rhythm of his grace no matter what's facing us tomorrow or the next day. It is personal for us today that God provides our daily bread. And our bread may not look like George Mueller's bread at the orphanage or the bread that Jesus broke at the table with the disciples. Our bread can look like a lot of different things. 20% of our culture currently faces crippling anxiety. We are overwhelmed. Many of us face grief that we're not sure that we can begin to bear. We're hungry, but not in a way that makes our tummies rumble. We're hungry for peace, 
for grace, for joy, for the mercies of our Lord. We are hungry people. God is a God of provision. As you pray the words, give us this day our daily bread. What is the bread that you need today? What are you seeking after that the Lord is waiting to provide? In the Old Testament, the bread of God was not just personal, but it was communal. If you notice in this prayer as well, it's not give me today my daily bread, it's give us. Give us our daily bread. It's a prayer that is personal, but it also is about a community of faith. It was interesting, a research study was done recently among Americans. And the question was asked, which would you rather have? That all of the needs in your country are met, all of the personal needs of people. That the hungry are fed, the naked are clothed, the captives are set free, the physical needs of the people in your nation, all of those needs are being met. This is also not a political statement, so don't go out of here going, Pastor Rachel's a socialist. All right, just stop it now. This is ridiculous. So if all of the needs of the people were being met, or would you rather have your personal freedoms? Which of those? Would you rather have your personal freedom, or would you rather see all of the needs in your country are met? 60% of the people said we would rather have our freedom. Now, I, I think that we could read into this a lot of different ways, and I'm not going to because I want to keep my job. But I think that there is something very impactful for us in our hearts and minds when we begin to focus so much on me, myself, and I that we're not looking at the others. We're not looking at the needs of other people, but that's not how God works. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Daily bread. We live in a country of excess. We live in a place where we throw away 35% of our food. While one in seven people in the world go hungry. Now, I'm not telling you to go home and sell everything that you own and buy some bread. I'm not telling you to do that. What I am saying is that when we begin to look and see, God has given me enough. God has given me plenty. My jar is full. I've got all the manna and all the quail. I've got all of the things that I need. It is our job then to share it with the community of Christ because we get the opportunity to be Jesus to other people. We begin to be the people who answer the prayer that others are praying. God didn't show up at the door of George's home and say, here's that bread you asked for, George. God began working in the heart and mind of another praying individual. And that praying individual worked and slaved over an oven all night long to bake enough bread to show up at George's door and feed 300 people. When we are living in a land where we already have enough, we have to ask God, how are we to be the people who answer the prayer of give us this day our daily bread? We've been in positions of great grief. How do we now be comfort to those who are grieving? We've been in positions of great brokenness. How then do we help others to heal? Give us this day 
our daily bread. We get to be a part of answering this prayer. For us, we extend the grace of God that has already been extended to us. This prayer is a communal prayer. It's a personal prayer. But most importantly, this prayer that Jesus teaches us to pray, it's enough. It's enough. When we look back at this passage in Genesis, or in Exodus, he says, pick up two quarts for each person in your tent of manna. And so all of Israel did was they were told. Some gathered a lot because they had a whole lot of people in their family. Some gathered a little because they had a few people in their family. But when it all got measured out, there were no leftovers. There wasn't enough food to last them until tomorrow. They didn't need to be hoarders of the bread. It was just enough. And God had told the people, he said, don't keep any of it. Don't try to hoard your food. Don't eat a little bit and then store it up because you're afraid you're not going to have enough for tomorrow. Because people that are hungry understand what it means to be hungry. Chad and I are almost done with foster care classes, which has been a really great and unique experience. I would recommend everybody just take the classes because I think it made me a better parent, period. Like, they just have been really good. And, um, and one of the things that we talk about over and over and over again is how these children will probably come into our home and hoard food. <laughs> she said, it'd be a good idea even if, like, you just made a little cabinet for the kids. Like, if you don't want them to try to be hiding yogurt under their bed, be like, here is your little drawer, and you can take this, and you can put all your food in here. It can be your personal storage drawer. Nobody's going to eat it. This is just yours. And so even though the pantry's always open at our house, and the fridge is always open, if you're ever hungry, just come rummage our pantry. And Linda Swafford's. Linda always has food in her pantry, too, that she's feeding all the children that come to her house, <laughs> especially Ryan, and then she doesn't have any food left. And so she, she was telling us, she was like, these kids don't understand what it's like to have enough. They don't know what it's like to have enough food. They don't know how they're going to make it from today until tomorrow. They don't understand how they're going to. And so because of that, they have become food hoarders. And they'll hide bologna sandwiches under their pillows and cups of yogurt under their beds, not because they're disobedient, not because they're bad or evil, or they're trying to make a mess of your house, but because they're afraid of being hungry. Moses was telling the people, you have got to trust God more than you trust your past. Your past hunger, you've got to be willing to look away from that, and you've got to be willing to look towards the provision that God's giving you today and understand that that provision is enough. Don't keep any of it until morning. But some of them didn't listen. They're trying to drag the food over into the next day, but when they did, guess what? It was nasty. It was filled with maggots, and it stunk up their whole tents. And Moses came in and said, why'd you do that? And we said, we don't know. We were just hungry before, and we forgot that God was going to provide enough for today. In Lamentations, we're reminded that his mercies are new each day. God's grace for us is new each day. It provides for us each and every day what we need for that day. 
And we can rest in that. We can rest in the trust and in the hope that God will provide for us today exactly what we need for today. God's provision is enough, even when we suffer from short-term memory loss. Even when we forget. It's interesting that in the passage that Jesus spoke, give us this day our daily bread, the wording is actually a little bit skewed. So in English, we say, give us this day our daily bread. What's the center of that statement? Us. Give it to us. God, give us. But in the Greek, the way that the verse was originally written, it says, give us the bread that is coming. The center of this whole entire concept was not us, the receivers. It wasn't even God, the giver. The center of this entire prayer, and really the turning point in this entire prayer, hinges on the word bread. In John chapter 6, in closing today, and I would encourage you, write this down, like on the back of your bulletins where it says sermon notes. I don't know if you know it's there or not, or if you've ever even used it. It's cool if you don't, it's fine. It's only paper, it's recyclable, we'll be okay. So on the back, it says sermon notes. I'd write down John chapter 6, and then go home and read John chapter 6. Okay, thank you, three people, for writing that down. Great. John chapter 6, it's really good. So it starts out with Jesus feeding 5,000 people, and then Jesus walks on the water as he's trying to escape all these people. And, and he goes across, and then he sits down, and there's disciples, and they're all the people that have followed Jesus over to the other side. And this is what they want to see from Jesus. They said, we want you to show us a miraculous sign so that we can believe in you. What can you do, Jesus? After all, our ancestors ate manna while they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures said Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven. My father did. I put the attitude in there because I think Jesus may have. That's how I would have said it if I were Jesus. <laughs> and now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us this bread every day. Oh, from a wrong heart came very powerful, powerful words. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, Never be hungry again. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. I'd ask that you just take a moment and bow your heads and close your eyes. And ask yourself, how is this personal for me today? What is the daily bread that I'm seeking today from the Lord?
And I'll take a moment and ask, how is this communal for me? Where has the Lord provided for me in abundance? That I can now help to provide for others. What grace has the Lord extended to me? That I can now extend to those around me. Lord, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the gift of Jesus. And we pray the prayer that those who following after Jesus said, not realizing the deep meaning that it had. God, give us this bread every day. We leave the world behind. Give us Jesus. Lord, I ask that in our need you will provide. I ask, Lord, in the needs of our people that you will call us, that we can be the intermediate of grace and mercy between you and our fellow humanity. God, help us to trust in these moments that it is enough. Your mercies today are enough for tomorrow. Your grace is sufficient for all that we need. Lord, we love you and we are so thankful for you. And we pray all of these things in your marvelous name. The name of Jesus. Amen. If you'll stand with me today for the benediction. We've been through this entire series every week. The benediction has been the Lord's Prayer, and so we're going to be um, saying, that, saying that together. And I'd, I'd like to invite you, as we do this today, don't, it can feel a little formal. It can feel like, oh yes, like our Father who art in, we just talked about how the God who we seek is the God who provides. So as we say this today, may it not just be something that we're saying, but may it truly be a prayer of our hearts from the depths of our being. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You are dismissed. <laughs>